Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. Okay, today we're talking all about mastering the seven critical steps of your sales process. Now, you may be listening to this right now thinking, but Susan, what if I don't have a sales process? And I'm going to tell you the reason for this exact episode is exactly that. It's because I have had a lot of clients, students come to me and say, I have no idea what it is that I'm doing when I'm selling, even if I am making sales. I don't actually know where they're coming from. I have no idea how people find me. I really don't have a system. I don't have a process. And as a result, I am exhausted. Like I literally are, I'm throwing spaghetti against the wall. I'm having to recreate things constantly, which as a creative and as a visionary, it gets to the point where you actually don't enjoy doing that because you don't have any mojo left to do the thing that you uniquely are created to do. Do you feel me on this? So if this sounds anything like what you're going through right now, you're going to want to stick around to this episode because I got you. I got you all the way. And I'm going to be breaking down the seven steps of the sales process so that you can identify what you're doing right. And more importantly, where you are having a bit of gap so that you can start closing those as quickly as possible and start recreating your success over and over and over again, like a well-oiled machine. Who doesn't love that? So let's start at the very beginning, which makes me think of Sound of Music. Any other fans out there? Um, So the very, very first step for your sales process, which sometimes uh, bleeds into marketing, believe it or not, and we have a whole other episode dedicated towards this, so stay tuned for that around uh, prospecting, aka lead generation. So too often what I hear is people focusing on leads, 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 but any good salesperson worth their salt will tell you that it's the quality of the leads that matter. You just don't want to have like copious amounts of leads um, that do absolutely nothing because at the end of the day, they're not going to make any purchases, right? You're, you're not going to have buyers. And while it's important in sales to have a certain volume of leads, you need to have numbers. This is where definitely sales is a numbers game because if you're not making enough sales on the back end, what you need to have is more people that you're talking to who are interested in the services and the products that you offer. And so it's a balancing act. You need to have enough lead generation or live prospects that you are actually moving through to the next stage because people are going to be engaging with you at all stages of the sales process. And as a result, you're going to have people moving through their own buyer continuum at varying levels and stages. So what does this mean for you? It means that while it is really important that you have some kind of an automated system, ideally, to help you to get more prospects through the door of your business, whether it's virtual or brick and mortar, it is equally important that you have a way to be able to understand the quality 
of those prospects and that it's not just all about numbers, it is equally about the quality behind those numbers. So stage one is lead generation. Now, here's a couple of questions that I want you to think about and ask yourself. Do you have enough prospects reaching out to you every single day? right? Do you have an automated way for people to find out more about you and to be able to identify themselves as prospects in your business? Do you have a way, a mechanism to be able to identify prospects that are interested in your products and services? And is there a way for you to follow up, engage, have a relationship, and more importantly, a conversation of some kind with those individuals that have put up their hand to say, hey, I'm over here, I'm interested, I like what you have to offer, and I wanna find out more. If the answer is no, then this is the first area that I want you to focus on, because without any leads, guess what? You don't have any sales. And contrary to popular belief, you actually don't need to have tons of leads Again, speaking to quality, if you know who you serve, you know what problem you solve, and you know that you're speaking to those individuals and attracting them with both a push and pull marketing system, and we'll talk about that in later episodes, but what I want you to understand is that you can't just build it and hope and pray that they will come. Now, some folks definitely will seek you out, but you're gonna have to be like a digital marketing ninja to really hack the system and be able to use a combination of SEO and search and like tons of organic and paid traffic um, strategies to be able to make that magical number work. You need to be able to identify a couple of key strategies that are going to work for you both on a reactive basis as well as a proactive basis. So one is where you are waiting and being the recipient. The other is where you are going out and, and gathering those people, identifying them, engaging them, and reaching out before they reach you. So you need to have both, otherwise you are going to have a very stale kind of business in terms of your lead generation activities. So if this is an area that you need help with, then I want you to write down or make a note that lead generation is your area of focus uh, instead of going anywhere through the rest of it, because to be honest, you you can't do the rest if you have a lead generation problem. So that being said, you only need one, you need the right one to be able to work through the rest of the other six steps. So let's get into step number two. So after prospecting or lead generation, what is the next stage in your sales process? Well, it's pre-qualifying. It's pre-qualifying the lead. Now, what does that mean? It means that if you were to take, um, if you were digging for gold, right, panning for gold, and you know when they take the gold inside the pan and they swoosh it and they swoosh it and they swoosh it. Now, they're pre-qualifying in some extent because what ends up happening is that the bits and pieces that aren't really gold start to move around because the density is different, right? The weight is different. And so those pieces tumble in and out and they fall over the edge. And so essentially what you're doing in your pre-qualifying process is you want to make sure that the gold is left at the bottom of your pan. And when you're scooping for that gold, you're going to get a lot of other stuff in there. You're going to get other people, uh, people who are earlier on in the buying journey, and maybe they're your looky-loos or your lurkers or your window shoppers. They're the ones that aren't quite interested fully yet, but they do have an interest. 
they're just not ready to buy. And so they need more information or they need to wait for a certain time or something to happen that will make it more appealing to work with you or to use your services or your products. So we don't want to worry about them too, too much at this point. At the pre-qualification stage, you want to know whether or not you're moving to the next stage in your sales process with folks who actually have a pressing need, there's that urgency that we talked about earlier, and guess what? They're more likely to buy. That's where you want to spend your time and attention, right? So that's what I want you to do at this phase is really think about what are some of the criteria that you would need your ideal clients and your prospects to meet in order to move to the next stage. So things that would come up in this kind of scenario would be things related to pricing. If there is a minimum criteria, right? Like as an example, if you are a career coach, well, you need somebody who's looking for a job. If they're not actively looking for a job, you're not going to be coaching them with their career, right? Makes sense. Or that they would need to be in a job. So what I want you to think about is for the services, the products, the programs that you offer, what do people need to have already completed or where do they need to be in their life or in their business, in their wealth, in their health, whatever it is the thing that you help them with, where do they already need to have completed certain criteria in order to be able to then qualify to work with you? Because remember, this is about pre-qualifying your sales prospects. And the key here being they need to qualify. Now, too often when I'm speaking to experts, you think, well, it's almost like you forget it's your business. You get to choose. You get to choose who you work with. You get to choose who you say yes to. And more importantly, that invites the perfect fit clients for you. And so when you forget this and you skip over this step, which I see far too many times because in an interest of getting, again, more leads, this is really about doing both. You need to have the quantity of the leads, but you also need to have the quality of the leads because if you are wasting time, effort, and perhaps even money because you have a salesperson doing these calls for you, then they're going to be spending time, effort, and energy to have a conversation with someone who really isn't prepared to move forward, who isn't really struggling with the thing that you help with. Well, how frustrating is that? So this step here is something that I make all of my clients do, even if they've been told in the past, don't bother, don't worry about it, it's not a value add, it is a value add. It is extremely important unless you are somebody who is basically able to work with anybody who has who is living and breathing, basically a warm body, and you have no other criteria, this is super important because every time that I go to clients and I ask them, who is the perfect fit for you? Who is the best client that gets the results and does the work? There's always a handful of characteristics. And if you knew in advance that you could identify those characteristics, wouldn't you want to take that leap? Wouldn't you want to do that work in advance to know that the criteria has been met so that when you actually get on the call, you're really excited to talk to them. You're really excited to help them. You know that you can help them and you know that they're ready for your help as well. That is the beauty of having a pre-qualification system. Now, it can be very, very simple, which is a few questions to be able to understand where they're at and whether or not they meet your criteria. That's it. And if you're thinking, well, Susan, okay, I already have this in place, and I get calls with people who don't qualify. 
Well, my question to you is, why are you completing the call? The purpose of this is as the leader of your business and as the leader in the sales conversation, it is up to you to be able to decide and say, hey, I love that you are interested, but based on the answers that you completed with me and you shared with me, you don't, you know, you're missing A, B, and C. Here's what I would suggest instead and point them to either a resource or a training or another beautiful human being who can actually help them do the thing that they need help with. Not you, not sitting on a call being frustrated because you're really not going to be able to sell to this person because you can't ultimately help them. And that's really what we're talking about here today, right? So at the end of the day, you get to choose, stop spending time with folks that don't qualify to work with you in the first place and instead bless, release, and move on your way. So step number three in the sales process, needs analysis. This is just a fancy way of saying, have you identified the, the need that is the thing that you do in order to help your people? Because here's the thing, if people don't need you, if they don't want what it is that you have to offer because they don't see it as a problem, they're never going to buy. People buy because they have a problem and they want a solution, even as simple as it, as it gets, right? So as an example, I love reading books. And so if I'm interested in a topic because maybe I've seen it on uh, TV or as I'm scrolling through social media and I go in search of that, if that book did not fulfill my need, which is my desire to learn, plus this very specific topic or maybe a recommendation and, and feeling like, wow, I'm missing out because so-and-so who I love and adore has highly recommended this book and I need, I need to know it. I need to read it. I would never buy it. And that's the same thing for your ideal clients. If they're not interested, if they don't see a pressing need for what it is that you offer, because they don't have the problem that you solve, they're never going to spend any money. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar, $10, $100, $100,000. The price is not the thing. The problem is the thing. And the more urgent and the more pressing the problem is, the more likely they are to say yes and buy when the time is right. So here is the thing that you need to do is if you're struggling because you don't know the problem that you solve, first, you need to get clear on that and you need to be able to articulate that to your ideal client. You need to know the problem better than they know the problem because you, just like a doctor, have to be able to diagnose and analyze and pro provide a prescription. That's essentially what you're doing. So what I want you to think about is, do you know the needs of your ideal client? Do you know why they would come to you? Do you know uniquely and confidently what would make them say yes to your solution or your offer? And if the answer is no to any of these, then this is the area in your sales process that I would like you to spend some additional time really honing in your skills and getting really, really good at identifying needs and getting uh, granular with what it is that you can help your people with and being able to pull that out of them during the sales conversation. Now, typically, this is where you're going to spend the bulk of your time during a sales conversation is in identifying and analyzing the needs and making sure that there's a fit between what it is that they're coming to the table with and what it is that you actually provide as your solution. So that is step number three. Now, step number four 
is the proposal or the presentation, depending on what your uh, niche is, depending on how you work with your clients. So whether you are in uh, B2C, so business to consumer, or B2B, business to business. Um, the system is kind of the same, right? So this is where you are presenting your offer. This is where you talk about what it is that you do for your clients and how you work with them. Now, in this stage here, you will have already covered off things like our typical BANT, or very stereotyped, but at the same time, BANT is here for a reason. So if you're not familiar with BANT, I'm gonna go super quick through it, uh, budget, authority, needs, and time. Okay, budget, authority, needs, and time, B-A-N-T. That's what that stands for. Now, if you have done your needs analysis properly, you will have already covered off certain components of the budget and the timeline, as well as who is the decision maker, who can say yes to this opportunity. Is it the person you're talking to, or is it somebody else? Because oftentimes there is somebody behind the scenes that may be pulling the strings and influencing that decision. And if you don't identify that early on in the conversation, guess what's going to happen? You are going to get the objection that is, I have to talk to so-and-so. I need to consult with my business partner. Oh, I need to present this to the committee. I need to ask my spouse or my, or my partner. I need to check in with my um my oracle, whoever it is for that person that they desperately need advice and help from, they are not always the main decision maker or the only person making the decision. And so it's really important when you get to the proposal stage that you are talking to the right person who is actually going to be the one to be able to say yes and sign on the dotted line or to make the payment or both, okay? So at this stage, you need to really be able to confidently provide an invitation into your offer, enroll your customer into your business opportunity, whatever that looks like, and to allow them to purchase from you. That's it. Now, too often, I see and I hear from clients who are making 100-page presentations and proposals. No, do not do this. Now, there is no hard and fast rules in terms of how short or how long a certain um, presentation needs to be. The main thing that I want you to consider is if during the needs analysis stage and just as you're coming up into the proposal and presentation, you are not confident that somebody is going to say yes to you because you essentially haven't gotten that micro commitment in advance, then your proposal, your presentation, no matter how fancy, how beautiful those slides look, how wonderful the template is, they will shoot you down. This is when you get ghosted. This is when you don't hear anything. This is when they just fall off the face of the earth and you're wondering, what the heck just happened? Is it me? Well, yes and no. So here's the thing. If you are not discussing price during a conversation or during a presentation, you need to start doing that. And that is part of that pro proposal and pres presentation stage. If you are sending out documents without actually having talked about any of the content that's held within it, you need to make sure that you actually get better at your proposal and presentation stage. This is not a, a, port, uh, a point in the conversation where you're gonna be spending you know, an additional hour. This is actually a summary of everything that you just learned during the needs analysis stage and concisely and briefly and accurately tying it up together. So what does that mean? 
it means that instead of going into a huge long you know diatribe about all of the 101 different pieces and parts and nuts and bolts and, and things that they're going to get you focus on the one problem area that they have said is the most urgent and you connect it with the service that you provide that exclusively provides that solution and the reason why it's so important and yes you can go into some detail but the more detail you provide sometimes you overshoot the sale and you actually talk them out of it because they're thinking wow like I only need these three things and the other seven I'm gonna be paying for but I'm not actually gonna use it I actually don't need it and in fact I have seen this happen time and time again. So your proposal and presentation is an opportunity for you to customize, especially when you're doing face-to-face -face sales, whether that's over the phone, through video, through face, like actual face-to-face -face conversations, is to customize what it is you deliver verbally to your customer. And if they need a written proposal, all you're doing is providing a summary a very concise summary, a brief project scope of the key things that they're looking for that will give them the outcome that you just talked about, including the price. So you always get a commitment that the price, the timeline, the key deliverables meet their needs before any written documentation is ever provided because God knows, I don't want you to do all of that work for nothing only to hear no on the other end or to hide behind a massive proposal brief in order to avoid having the actual sales conversation, which is asking for the money, presenting your solution, and being confident enough to, to be the leader in that conversation to say, this is why you need to hire me and this is why we need to work together. So that is stage number four. Now stage number five is your objections. If you are doing a good job through the other four pieces, you really, really shouldn't have a ton of objections to deal with at this stage. But there's always, there's always an exception and there's always uh, an opportunity for people to need some clarity or to move backwards through the conversation and to really just want to check in and make sure that they heard correctly or that they're making the right decision. So if you are currently having an issue around objections, this is the area that you need to focus and hone in on in your sales process. You have to be prepared for objections because they will happen and how masterfully you can move through them and help people to understand and you to understand where these are coming from and how to break them down in a way that does not tear down your prospect or your ideal customer and allows you to still have a respectful conversation that moves through so that you can continue on with understanding what the next stage is going to look like, whether it's a yes or a no. When you allow people to kind of stay in limbo land because you haven't addressed the objection and it's kind of just hanging there like a big giant question mark, that is the biggest no-no in sales whatsoever. The top salespeople will not allow a prospect off the hook by saying one of these objections. They will walk it all the way through masterfully, making sure that they understand where the objection is coming from and how they could improve moving forward so that the outcome is still a yes or a no. That is how you know that you have done what you need to do in a conversation. It is not about getting a yes all the time. It is about getting a decision. And that is the, the number one thing that I want you to take away here is that objections aren't a bad thing. 
They are absolutely part of the sales process, but you need to be able to know how to handle them. And if this is an area where you're getting stuck, this is where I want you to really think about where do I need to build up my skills? Is it because of I don't know how to deal with these or because I'm lacking the confidence to be able to deal with them or both? So identify that for yourself and figure out what it is that you need to do in order to keep moving forward. So that was number five is the objections. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because there's a lot of different objections, but please know that if we throw them all into a bucket and you are just consistently butting your head up hearing no, but no, but, or yes, but then you need to focus on objection handling as the main focus of your sales process. So number six is closing the sale. And this is where along with number seven, which is follow up, because sometimes closing the sale is going to require multiple touch points in order to follow up because depending on where your buyer is in their journey and at which stage they're at, they may or may not be ready to buy. This is not necessarily a bad thing, but again, if you've done the right thing with pre-qualifying individuals and you know that they may be closer to buying or further away. And it's up to you to decide at what point you're gonna get on a conversation and actually speak to your potential customers. Now, if they're, they have what I like to call a bleeding neck problem, which means like blood is like, they need your help immediately. Like if you were on the side of the road and you had blood gushing from your neck, and I hate to be gory if you're a little squeamish, so I apologize, but I, I want to paint a picture, right? If you were sitting there, would you care if there's a doctor nearby? No, you want someone to help you right this minute, right? You want somebody who has either material or um, fabric, like something that's going to be able to help you to stem the flow and put some pressure on there. And if they have a car, even better because they're going to be able to help you get to the hospital, right? So what I want you to think about is when you have a bleeding neck, when's the priority? When it's like do or die, what is the most important? Those are the deals that are the easiest to close because really if you've done everything else in terms of selling with integrity, then this is really just a confirmation that does everything sound like we're on the same page. Does this, it seems like I'm going to be able to help you and this is exactly what you're looking for. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Let's move forward, right? When would you like to start? How would you like to pay? What's a good date? All of those kind of assumptive closes, and we're not going to talk about closing strategies. We can talk about that in a, in a future episode if that's helpful. But what I want you to understand here is if you never ask for the sale, if you actually don't make the formal invitation, if you don't tell people what to do next to work with you, they're going to be left hanging. And too often I have sat in or listened to sales conversations and that is exact, it's like a stalemate. They're just, you're just staring at each other. There's dead silence. Nobody knows what to do. You have to lead and take charge and get people going to where they want to be. And so it is absolutely within your right and your authority as the leader of the conversation to say, hey, Susan, I love everything that we talked about. I am so excited to be able to help and support you. Let's do this. When would you like to begin? How would you like to start? How would you like to make payment? Would you like to have a discussion around the payment terms? 
all of those things are important to keep moving the conversation forward and actually close the deal without a formal yes, without the payments, without the discussion on what the actual deliverables look like and how the process looks in working with you, people aren't going to move forward. So you have to do that. That's the, like the, the cherry on top. And so if you've already done all of the work and yet you haven't done the final piece, you allow your customers who desperately need you to actually have an out and to walk away and for you to walk away. There is no reason why you can't complete the deal on that call, on that meeting, when somebody is ready to buy. Do not push away the sale simply because you don't know how to say the words. If this is you right now, this is the area that you need to practice to close the gap. And I'm going to tell you, simply by making more invitations at the end of conversation where you feel confident that this person is a yes for you and you are a yes for them, you are going to at least double your sales results every single time. This has been my experience with my clients is that if you just do this one simple thing, which I realize is not easy to do. It is simple, but it may not feel easy at first. Practice what it sounds like. Practice, practice, practice. And be okay with asking because sometimes we just don't want to ask. We want somebody to just volunteer. Well, as a business leader and as the leader in the sales conversation, it is incumbent upon you to take charge. Okay, so that is the sixth step. And then the final step with the follow-up, which goes hand in hand with our closing of the sale, some folks are going to need more time. Some people are going to need to consult with other individuals. Sometimes you have the gatekeeper who's coming to do some information gathering before they can actually make the final decision, whether that's as a committee or as an individual. 13% of the population actually needs to take some time to process, which I know there's a lot of people out there teaching who say, you know, close the deal, close the deal, close the deal at all costs. I am not that person. So if that's what you're looking for, you should probably not listen to any more episodes because that is not the direction that I teach in. What I want you to understand is that follow-up is required. Fortune is in the follow-up. And on average, most folks are actually not buying until the fifth to eighth touch point, which means if you are not doing a ton of marketing, chances are the sales process are the touch points that you're having with your customer. And so if this is the only way that you're engaging with your audience, then you're gonna have to do more, right? You're going to have to talk to them more often. That could be done through your follow-up. And again, depending on how well you've pre-qualified and at what point you've decided to take these conversations, you may find that you're working with individuals or talking to individuals who are at stage zero or one. And in order to be ready to work with you, maybe they need to be closer to a five. Well, that means, guess what happens? You don't want them to forget about you as they get closer to five. You want to make sure that you stay top of mind. And that's why for the follow-up is so critical. It's so important. It's what builds a relationship. It's what allows people to know that you're there for them not just for today's sale, but for the long haul. And yes, some people need more time to make the final buying decision to say yes. And that is completely okay, right? And that's why you don't ever need to pressure somebody. You need to know exactly why you're following up. You need to know how to add value in having those discussions. You need to know how to nurture the relationship and continue to have the conversation focused around the problem and the need that they originally came to you with. 
And so if this is an area where you're noticing for yourself that as I've been sharing, you're, you're cringing and you're thinking to yourself, wow, like look at all the opportunities that I may have left on the table simply because I didn't have the confidence in being able to follow up because I thought I was bothering my potential customers or because I really didn't know why the heck I was following up or what I was doing. What I invite you to do today is think that this area is an area that you need to spend some time and focus and really think, how do I want to be followed up with? If somebody was to engage in a continued conversation with me about something that I potentially needed a week ago, a month ago, heck, even a year ago, how would I want that conversation to start? Where would I want that, that discussion to flow from? Come from that place. Because I think if we go by the, the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would do unto yourself, then we would be so much further ahead. And too often, we're forgetting that there's a real human being on the other side of the sales process. There's a real person that you are selling to and with and for. And ultimately, you're not selling at them. You are engaging in a two-way relationship. And the more that we're able to invite people to co-create with us, and the more that we think about how we're impacting the lives of the people that we are here to serve, the more masterfully you're gonna be able to navigate your sales process and improve all of the seven different components that we've talked about today. So if this was helpful for you i would love for you to tag me on social media i'm across all platforms at susan mcveigh my last name is spelt m-c-v-e-a i know it's a little bit tricky and i would love to hear from you which one of these seven areas you're going to be focusing on and if there is something that i can do in order to help you i would love to be able to help serve you further so thank you so much and we will see you again soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time.